ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Good day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to First Take. Thank you for being with us. SA back on the West Coast. Swagoo, always good to see you, sir. And my man in person. Mad Dog Wednesday. Can I say something to start? Can I say something to start? What do you get? Your geography screwed up? So let me get this straight. On Monday and Tuesday, we're Shannon in L.A., you're in New York. And then on Wednesday, when I'm in New York, you're in L.A. What are you doing to me over here? The SAG (laughs) after strike. The the, the SAG after strike. Okay. Obviously, that got resolved. But ABC will return to its regularly scheduled programming in the month of February and beyond. Until that time, on Wednesdays, NBA Countdown fills in those gaps from Los Angeles, which is why I have to be here. I have told you this on 10 different occasions. You're not listening because you're pouting. And all that means is that you miss me. So just say to the world, I miss you. That's it. Oh, as much as it's riveting hearing about a Stephen A's travel schedule, I'm kind of excited about oh, the championship my, games. My, my, Can we go to Is your skirt ripped this morning or is everything all right? I'm just asking. I'm just no, I'm good. I'm good. Right, Thank okay, you. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Thank you. The skirt, the skirt, pre- the skirt near the knee. Skirt near no. the knee. That's why I go. It was ripped yesterday. She Stephen had to change. A. You know what I'm saying? Stephen oh. A, you sure you want to start the morning like that? Because we can start that way. Designer. So what? Let's roll. Let's go. UJFC Championship Game Sunday in Baltimore. This will be the fifth all-time meeting between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, with Mahomes having a 3-1 advantage in that matchup. It's a tall task ahead. Here's Swagoo on Mahomes Monday on NFL Live. This team is as close to unstoppable. I really believe this, and I know this is a big statement because they're about to play the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Ravens have to beat themselves. I think they have to beat themselves to lose a football game. Because when you look at all of the ways that they can attack you, and we're not even talking about the number one defense in the NFL that creates all kind of havoc for what you do. So, yes, Patrick Mahomes is walking in, and if he he wins this one, I'm going to put a crown on top of his head and say he's the GOAT. My goodness. Strong. Crowning, folks. All right. S.A., who would you rather have Sunday, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Look, I think that Patrick Mahomes is arguably the greatest quarterback who has ever lived. Six straight AFC title games and what have you. Two-time Super Bowl champion, three Super Bowls in his first five seasons. But on this morning, I have to say, it's Lamar Jackson. What? I have to. I have to say this. I have to say this now so, to give credit where what credit is due. What made you come around? Uh, excuse me. To give credit where credit is due to Marcus Swagoo Spears. Actually, that's corny. It's Swagoo himself, Marcus Spears. The reality is, is that you said this week. You said this weeks ago. 
and I pushed back. And the reason I pushed back is because I hadn't seen Lamar against the San Francisco 49ers. I hadn't seen him against the Miami Dolphins, even though I wasn't expecting much. But considering the way they rolled over Detroit, rolled over Seattle, and I saw the way they was beating up opponents throughout the season, okay, and they would only lose games where they got in their own way because basically they could have easily gone undefeated this regular season, to be quite honest with you. To roll up against the San Francisco 49ers and to beat them down like that on the road, to be at home and to drop 56 against Miami. Now the question was, okay, what's going to come playoff time? And although it was against C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans, a relatively young team, we saw what Baltimore did in the second half. I'm looking at their personnel. I'm looking at the decision-making of Lamar Jackson. I'm looking at the fact that in his 1-3 and three record against Mahomes in his career, where he's only completed 56% of his passes and averaged about 187 yards per game, that's not the Lamar Jackson that I'm seeing now. And I think that this moment, Doggy, to go to you, this is where I'm at with this. I'm not trying to say that Lamar Jackson is better than Patrick Mahomes because I don't think anybody is. What I'm saying is the moment is his. Patrick Mahomes has already proven what the hell he's capable of. This is the biggest moment of Lamar Jackson's NFL career thus far. And it's a matter of whether or not he's going to answer the call. And the brother that I've been watching that got his bag and then promptly went about the business of coming on the field and putting himself in a position to win a second league MVP award. I think Lamar Jackson answers the call this Sunday. And I think he one-ups the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. I'm rolling with Lamar Jackson on this one. That's a prediction. That's not an answer to the question. I'd rather have him, doggy. I said I'd rather have him. Ooh. This is what I believe. I believe in him, and I would rather have Lamar Listen, this Sunday. Everybody's kind of on one this morning. Yeah, I feel well, like I, there's a little bit of a chip. There's some tension I'm here. not going to lie. I'm a little cranky right now. Yeah, everybody's I'm cranky. You were cranky as soon as I walked in. You I was cranky. so cranky. nice to you when you walked in. You were cranky. And you, he's That's already lying. Stephen A. Y'all cheer up. Nice How? Cheer up. Morning. What the hell are y'all cranky I'm feeling great. I feel like hey, I'm, 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 I'm happy too. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little Me tired too. right now. Go watch the OKC Portland game with the Billups timeouts. If you think somehow, some way that Lamar is more significant in this game than Mahomes is. Here's what I'm going to tell you about the AFC championship game. Very rarely does a quarterback of this ilk go into this game as a house money game. This is a house money game for Mahomes. He's won two titles. He was superb last week in Buffalo. He loses this game. We're going to scream. So what? He loses an AFC title game, the Baltimore on the road against a team that looks to be a lot better. No big deal. All the pressure in the world, I mean all the pressure in the world, is on Lamar. He has to come out and he has to outplay Mahomes. And very rarely do you have a situation like this where the MVP goes into a playoff game where the other quarterback is better and the other quarterback is better. That's all there is to it. And that is why the Chiefs have a chance. Because I cannot guarantee, in my eyes, you cannot guarantee that you know Lamar is going to be great in this game. You can guarantee that Mahomes will be. And Lamar, did we miss the first half last week against Houston? He was awful. Sacks all over the place. They scored one touchdown. Played a very good second half. No question about it. That's the JV. You said we can't guarantee Lamar what? Repeat that. We can't guarantee Lamar is going to play great in this game. Are you sure about that? Powell, no, he won two playoff games. At home? No, we cannot guarantee it. 
You know well, Mahomes will. I don't know. You don't uh, think Mahomes can play great? I in the think game? Lamar's going to play great, but I think Lamar is too, and I'm confident D- of that. Dougie, Dougie, I think your points are very valid. Uh, are very valid about Lamar Jackson. I just believe in him for this weekend. But I got to tell you something. I'm not guaranteeing that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a great game. Not against this Baltimore defense. I understand that, but that. But here's what you can guarantee: He's not going to stink in the game. You know he's going to give you everything he's got, and he's going to play well. You know that for sure about Lamar. Your life on the line. He's won two playoff games, not great in the first half last week. First time in a championship game. You know against this quarterback, you're convinced that Lamar is going to come out and play really well? I'm not convinced of that. I'm, I'm not See, man, convinced, I, but I do believe I, him. This is, this, this is my problem. This is what I tried to tell you all a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's not the same Lamar Jackson. It's not the same situation. Doggy, you are dismissing the fact, and I agree with you. We all, we all three of us have said we would take Patrick Mahomes over anybody in the NFL. We know he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But if we're talking about this particular time, Lamar Jackson, to me, is the guy that nobody wants to face. More so than Patrick Mahomes right now. And yes, his situation has something to do with that. But let's not act like Lamar Jackson is just some 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 resident guy that's just here for one time. We've seen this dude win at an all-time level. We've seen him have success now in the playoffs. We've seen him in this new iteration of this offense become one of the most dominant quarterbacks throwing and running in the NFL when it comes to what they have the ability to do. So I get, like, I understand it. It's a hard conversation to have. And I said this a couple weeks ago, I would rather have Lamar because of the situation that Lamar is in. Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. Patrick Mahomes has won. This is his sixth AFC championship. He's had an opportunity to play at a very high level for a long time and give him kudos and credit for that. Patrick Mahomes has also been in much better offensive situations than Lamar Jackson has been in in the majority of his career. I don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to continue to ascend in this offense and he's going to have the type of run where he's competing for AFC championships and having these opportunities going to the playoffs. But I do know this in this version of him in this offense with who he's surrounded by, it's brought out the best in him. And when you look at Lamar Jackson this year, based on what we've watched the last six or seven weeks of this season, can you honestly say he hasn't been the most effective player in the NFL and the most dominant from his position? It's hard to say he's not. And I think that has a lot to do with why Stephen A. feels like this now and why I felt like that weeks ago. And I also would say, I also would say this to you, Doggy. I mean, right now, I'm looking at him. Lamar Jackson, 93.4 rush yards per game. Fifth most in NFL postseason history. Guess who, guess who the previous four were? Terrell Davis, John Riggins, Derek Henry, and Eric Dickerson. And just a hair ahead of Emmitt Smith. In other words, we're talking running backs. Yet, Lamar Jackson is in the top five, okay, in rush yards in postseason history in terms of average. I got to pay attention to that because I think that's going to be necessary against this Kansas City Steve, uh, defense led by Steve Spagnola. I, I just think that you're going to have to be the dual threat that he has shown himself to be. And one last thing about Lamar Jackson. He's a dog, in a, in a very complimentary way. This brother rises to the, the, to the challenge. When you challenge him individually, you know, he has not shrunk in those moments. And I'm telling you something right now, doggy. 
I'm not talking about playoff game and just talking about the team. Yo, the Ravens going against the Titans. The Ravens going against the Chargers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when it's on him. When you're looking at him individually because there's a matchup for somebody across the field. That ain't Ryan Tannehill. You understand what I'm saying? Or Phillip Rivers or somebody. No, no, no. That's Patrick Mahomes. And so we're looking at a Lamar Jackson that now has two playoff victories, that never was in an AFC championship game until this weekend, that's never won a Super Bowl championship, that just got his bag, and everybody's looking at him, and they're like, what you going to do? This Lamar Jackson, to me, seems to be like the kind of dude that says, let me show you what the hell I'm going to do. I don't expect to look at him and see him shook. The way I saw Dak Prescott a couple weeks ago. Mm, that's fair. Again, money on the line. Yeah, who are you putting your money on? Mahomes. We know you are. Mahomes. What's that, Rob? That's the deal? Yes, and I had him last week against Buffalo. He's lying. He's uh, lying. Nonsense. Molly, he's going to hedge his bets. Why, mark my words. Doggy's going to come on next yeah, week, he and is. he's going to confess Double to dip. all of us that he bet on both. So whatever he does on television, he's going to do the opposite when it comes to really placing the bet, to hedge his bet. Trust me on that. Doggy is not going all in on one side at all. Okay? That's who he no, is. Sir. He's slick. Mm. Trust me. No, sir. That's what he's going to do. Baltimore's favored by three and a half. Take the points. You know who I bet on? Who? Myself. The Bucks fire first-year head coach Adrian Griffin after 43 games in a 30-13 and 13 record. You didn't even know what to do with that. I did. Milwaukee is in talks with Doc Rivers about the head coach position, according to our Adrian Wojnarowski. Magic Johnson weighed in on the reactions, posting on social media, I think the Bucks firing former head coach Adrian Griffin was a big mistake. It's not his fault. The Bucks traded their best on basketball defender Drew Holiday. They're not a good defensive team and are all around too slow. Always wonderful to be joined by Brian Windhorse. Hello, Wendy. How are you this morning? Good morning. Well, first of all, good morning, Brian. First of all, it was great. It was great to hear from Magic Johnson. I mean, he's been doing so many damn things. Uh, I, I'm waiting to hear from the basketball savant comment on basketball. So it was nice to see him have an opinion about it. Mm, sounds personal, I say. Uh, it tell is. Me this. Are you surprised, Stephen A., that the Bucks, who are second in the East, they're 30 and 13, fired their first year head coach? Um, no, I am not surprised. A matter of fact, I'm the one person in America who shouldn't be surprised. To my producers, could you do me a favor, please? Could you please roll the tape from months ago, weeks ago? I said the same thing over the last several months. Could you, could you please play the tape? I suggest you pump the brakes because, Adrian Griffin, if you are listening, I assure you the Milwaukee Bucks will cancel you in a heartbeat if Giannis wants them to do so. Adrian Griffin is going to get himself fired. I don't care that they're 23 and 6 against everybody else outside of their 1 and 4 record against the Indiana Pacers. You are the successor to Mike Budenholzer. When have we complained about a Mike Budenholzer defense? I say it with no pleasure. I think Adrian Griffin might be a one-year head coach in Milwaukee. You got to fix this defense. You can't. They didn't. They didn't do all of this to not be in the championship picture. Before we get into this, I just have to say I, I was just a little distracted because the first shot he had on a tracksuit, like he looked like he was in Sopranos, and then he was, you know, suited and booted. He was a banker, and then we had two chains, like he came from the let out of the club. So it's just great to see your range there, Stephen A. Just, it's called versatility. It's called versatility. That's what it's all about. Listen, all right. doggy. Go ahead. Uh, 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 Wendy, 
I'm sad for uh, Adrian Griffin. I mean, this is a man that got interviewed 14 times before he finally ended up getting a job on his 15th try as a head coach. I'm sad because at 30 and 13, being a black man coaching in the National Basketball Association with a 30 and 13 record and a top two seed, one would surmise that that is not a cause for firing. But you remember, Wendy, I raised red flags because I was at the in-season tournament in Vegas, dog, and I had asked Giannis a question. Uh, um, oh, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the presser, and Giannis just went in and went up, and I said, yo, y'all, I, I've covered this league for a long time. I'm telling you, this is not a good look. Adrian Griffin is in a world of trouble, and this is the coach that Giannis picked. They, they, they interviewed three coaches, as Wendy informed us, you know, at the time, and Giannis picked Adrian Griffin, and almost instantly, you could see that he wasn't trying, he wasn't feeling it at all. I remember earlier in the season when they wanted to shift gears because they had gotten blown out in Toronto and they felt that they were playing, they weren't playing according to their culture and they, and, and Brooke Lopez wasn't playing the way that they needed him to play. So they wanted to change things defensively. And obviously that didn't really pan out too well because their defense has been porous. And we have to take that in consideration. We also have to take into consideration that we shouldn't have expected them to be what they once were with Budenholzer because you didn't have Drew Holiday. When Griffin first got hired, what did they say? They had Drew Holiday still there. Damian Lillard hadn't been traded for yet. So as a result, you're looking at your team, and the team that you inherited as the new head coach was a bit different than the team that you ultimately ended up having. But here's the bottom line. Currently with the 21st-ranked defensive rating, 28th in the month of January, 121 points Per 100 possessions. You cannot follow up Budenholzer, whose defense was ranked first from 2018 to 2020, slipped to ninth in 2021, slipped to 14th in 2022, and then last season elevated themselves back to fourth. Budenholzer does know how to coach. Budenholzer does know how to coach defense. And when you see Boston, and you see Embiid and Maxie and Philly playing the way that they're playing. And you see Nick Nurse coaching them the way that he's coached them, okay? And you turn that around and you have a situation where you cannot defend against anybody, where the Indiana Pacers are shellacking you and busting your living, you know what? I'm not surprised. I don't think I don't I'm very sad for him. I think he should have been given the full season, but I knew. From the moment Giannis responded, the way that he responded at the in-season tournament in Vegas, I told you from that day, Wendy, in Vegas, I said, this man is in trouble. I looked you right in your face, and I said to you, I don't think he's going to last this season. I came on first take. I said it not once, not twice, but three times, and sure enough, here we are. Yeah, I remember that press conference after the game where they got blown off the floor by the Pacers. And we all thought that you were outside getting clowned by Shaq and Charles. And it turned out after you got that whole experience, you came into the press conference. You weren't done working. And you asked Giannis a question about the coaching. And Giannis said we were disorganized. And I remember my head shot up as soon as he said that because he was speaking the truth. And the timing of this is surprising that this would happen on this particular day, especially a day after they won. Although these days, if you don't pound the Pistons by 30, it's considered a disappointing performance. And they only won, I think, by less than 10. Um, But 
anybody who was out there watching this team knows that this team was struggling. And I'll be interested. So Magic had those comments. I'll be interested today as the coaches begin to talk to media whether or not they come to his defense and how hard they come to his defense. Because I remember vividly, guys, back in 2016. In fact, it was this week in 2016 when the Cavs fired David Blatt. And they were in first place. And they were 30 and 11, just like the Bucks are 30 and 13. But if you were around that team, you knew that that wasn't working. And everybody went crazy and they ripped the Cavs for that decision. But they also knew under the surface that it needed to be done. Tyron Lue came in. The Cavs ended up winning the title that year. Now, I don't know what's going to happen if Doc Rivers gets this job. I don't know if the Bucks are positioned to win at the highest level because they made a big decision when they changed their roster for that Dame Willard trade. And that was actually kind of not fair to Adrian Griffin. But this was very apparent right away that Adrian Griffin was struggling. It was a major red flag when Terry Stotts, a very experienced assistant coach, resigned before the start of the season. Very concerning. And they were trying to save it, and they were still getting wins, but they weren't playing winning basketball. And so I actually think this was the correct decision and a gutty decision, even if it feels a little bit unfair from the outside. Yeah, I'm not giving the Bucks any break at all. I mean, number one thing about Blatt, he played in an NBA final against Golden State. They were up two games to one, and he didn't have Kyrie Irving in love. So let's keep that in mind. He had LeBron and guys like Jameson against Matthew the Warriors. Dover. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden we bring Lou in and Irving plays like an all-time great and makes the big basket that wins in Game 7. So let's be fair to Blot because he had nothing to work with in an NBA final outside of, Le- outside of LeBron. First off, I'm going to give Giannis a little grief here. Where was he last year when they fired Boonhoser? Which was the worst thing the franchise ever did. The guy lost his brother in a car accident right around that first-round playoff series against Miami. Giannis decides he doesn't want to play half the games. They lose in a bad series, no question. But Miami went to the NBA final, for crying out loud, and beat the Celtics on the way to do it. And they fire Budenholzer off that, who won a championship, whose brother was killed in a car accident right around that start of that series. Did Giannis go to the – and Giannis can do anything he wants. He's making a fortune in a small market. He runs the team. If Giannis wanted to keep Budenholzer, he could have said, you know what, this is not fair. Keep it guy here. I didn't play in half this series. Why should I? Why, why should you fire him? But he didn't say anything, so they fire him Budenholzer, and then the Bucks decide to bring in a guy who's got no coaching experience as a head man altogether on any scenario, change the focus of the team, and say, hey, go win an NBA championship. And so all he does is go 30-13, and 13, and now the Bucks are going to get him out. And listen, I love Doc Rivers. I've known him forever. Knicks followed him. I'm a big fan. Let's also be fair. Doc was fired in Philly, fired in the Clippers for underachieving with great teams. Now all of us sudden Doc Rivers is Red Auerbach? So we're going to run and get Doc Rivers in here? Doc got fired. He did terrible. Harden got him out. And for the, no, I don't like Harden, but he got him out last year. He lost the game seven. And then the Clippers got him the heck out of there when they got murdered by Denver. But now all of a sudden Doc Rivers, who just took the job with us, now all of a sudden Doc Rivers is, is essentially the next fat rally and he's going to go fix the Bucks. You got to be kidding me. So I am really down in the Bucks. And Giannis, they, they got Boonholzer out of there and won a championship. Unfair okay. when he lost his brother. Unfair. Yeah. And then Giannis. Everything you just said is very strong. Brian Winhorse, I want your reaction to what Doggy just said about the firing of Boldenhoser and, and yeah. the rest of it. I would say that's a very good idea in the NBA. Whatever your reasoning for removing a coach, if you fire a coach who's been successful, you better know who you're going to replace him with. You better have your ducks in a row. 
The Bucks didn't. And they and they paid for that. But I'm telling you, dog, if you people in the NBA don't consider the Bucks a serious contender right now. And that's a big problem. Because mm. they got a, a roster that they have to win. The record is irrelevant. You do not watch them and consider them a serious contender. They can't change the roster. They're sort of hamstrung in to with what they've got. They can change the coach. I know that they're going to take some heat for a few days here. There, there is nobody who has been watching this team closely who feels well, that this is a major mistake. Well, though, and, and to piggyback off of what Wendy said, Doggy, is that anybody that thinks that they made a mistake is in getting rid of Budenholzer. It's not in getting rid of Adrian Griffin. Now, if you're Adrian Griffin, here's the sad part. Here's the sad reality. You're 30 and 13, and people still feel that way. I mean, think about that. That, that, that. That's crazy. So you know that there were red flags. And Wendy's absolutely mm-hmm. right. There were red flags everywhere. Regardless of them winning games, how they were There's winning games, their yep. struggle, people were very, very yeah. – they were, they were not high on, on the job that was taking place. Also, and Giannis the, and, especially. In the month of January, the Bucks are allowing 125 points per game. That's third most in the entire NBA. They never should have fired Boonhoser. That was completely out of line. Okay. And Giannis should have gone to their defense. Well, no, 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 no. Right. no. I what it. I would say real quick, Molly, is this. Budenholzer, I think you're looking at it wrong, doggy. He, because of possibly what you highlighted, he seemed distant. He seemed like he needed a break, like he wasn't himself anymore. So you're, you're, you're taking it and you're looking at it as a, from a basketball perspective. What you're not thinking about is that he may have been so devastated, the kind of impact that he once had, it affected him and his psyche. That's why he's not somewhere else coaching right now, because we all know he's a great coach. But sometimes you need a break. And that's what I saw when I looked at Budenholzer last year. All right, Mad Dog. But right now, the- far, yep. when Kevin Durant, was foot was this far too forward in the 2021 playoffs, if his, far, if his foot is this far back and, and, and the Nets win game seven and the Bucks out, he'd have been fired that, he'd he'd have been been fired fired that year. It, it was. It was in some ways. It was that close, and I know they won the title. He was that close mm-hmm. to him keeping the job for two more years. That's the way it was. Yep. yep. And right now, again, Doc Rivers, the front runner uh, for the position. Brought to you by the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited two X miles in everything you buy, and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over thirteen hundred airport lounges and a three hundred dollar annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. Unlock a whole new world of travel with a Capital One Venture X card. What's in your wallet? Term supply, lounge access is subject to change. See CapitalOne.com for details. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code FIRSTTAKE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll get $150 in bonus bets. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. For New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. For Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050. For Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. For Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. For Puerto Rico, call one 800 981 0023. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Hey, hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-time chimney sweepers, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com to sign up today. Claim based on the total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Thanks so much for listening to the First Take Pod. Have a fabulous day. This weekend's going to be fun. Major story to watch, though, the health of Deville Samuel, who's exited Saturday's game with a shoulder injury. He's 50-50 to play in the NFC Championship game when the Niners host the Lions. And look who is in the building. My hello, hello. Willie A. Martin. How you feeling, love? I'm good, hon. How are you? Love the gray sweater. Oh, a dress. It's a dress. A dress. Okay. I love okay. it. That's all right. Excellent. Stephen A. said he loves it, too. I just heard him in my ear. Did he, did he whisper that? Yeah. I did not say that. I did not oh, say that, but it, it looks it, hate, it, it looks he nice. It's when people it's sit that, in the seat not, and look better. It's not about okay. that. It's not about that. I'm just guarded about when you're sitting in my chair and don't ever oh, ever so take funny. Molly's quotes uh, attributing <laughs> something to me. Hear it from me, because she will misrepresent me in a heartbeat at her choosing. Oh, Let's, move mm, Let's was, move on. That was approved by the ESPN news desk. So <laughs> um, okay, let me ask you this, Mad Dog. Is it a major blow for this Niners team? If Debo Samuel can't go. Well, I know my little pal over there has said that the Lions will win the game if Samuel doesn't play. Yeah. That's way too strong. Way, way really? over the top. Oh, They're a Stevie. different team without Stevie, Stevie. where do you, what, you have a couple of cocktails before you said that one? That is a very No, nor did, nor, did I, nor did I have any gummies like some people I know. All right. Go ahead. That's a good line. That's a good line. Half a gummy, all right? That's a good line. Half a gummy here, half a gummy they there. They just beat Green Bay without him, but they can't beat Detroit without him. I understand it's a loss. They need him. In the, I'm not trying to mi- minimize it, but the fact that the Niners, who, by the way, were awful on Saturday – and enough of Kyle Shanahan. That was a horrendous coaching performance. If you want me to highlight it, I will. But they can't. Now, they want him to play. We need him to play. But what? They can't beat the Lions making a road venture in this spot? They can't beat him with D. Bill Samuel? I don't buy that at all. I, it'd be easier. You need him. But the Lions, they're not the 75 Steelers. Okay? All right. Settle nin- down. <laughs> settle the down. The Niners can still win the game. Can I go or Steven should go? Who should go? No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kimberly. Go ahead. ahead. Okay. So, Doggy, I agree with you on the fact that the 49ers can beat the Lions without Devo. However, please give some respect to the Lions. Let's not act like this isn't a good team, a well-balanced team. The 49ers cannot overlook these Lions and think they're going to the Super Bowl because this is going to be a tough matchup. I just came from Detroit. That place was rocking. This defense, it travels. They got, they got studs at wide receiver and at running back. But going back to the Debo Samuel part of it, Debo, this is why I think they, they can beat the Lions without him. Debo wasn't on the field for that game-winning drive. We talk about moments with quarterbacks. We talk about, okay, you say that the 49ers, um, Brock Purdy didn't look great to start the game. When it mattered, when the game was on the line, he was 6-7. of seven. There was a drop, 47 yards. He ran for 10, I believe, in that game-winning drive. Debo wasn't on the field for that. So that, there is evidence that they can win without him. However, when Debo is not on the field, this offense scores averages 10 points less per game. 
they don't look the same. Brock ends up having... I don't want to say he forces things, but he does make mistakes more often when Debo's not on the field. So this is a major deal, but it's not a death row. They, right. they can still win without him. It's All not going to be easy. We're in agreement, you and I. Stephen A. 14 games with Debo Samuel, doggy. Um, 49 is 12 and 2, 31.4 points per game. Okay. Brock Purdy, 28 TD passes, six interceptions. Four games without him, they're 1 and 3. 18.7 points per game. Brock Purdy, four touchdowns, five interceptions. I'm sorry, you can say what you want, but I'm looking at the Detroit Lions and Kimberly can sit up there swiveling in my chair talking about how, yes, the Lions can't be slept on, but I wouldn't say that the 49ers can't beat them. Well, damn it, somebody's got to say it, so I'm going to say it. I believe that the San Francisco 49ers are a shell of themselves without Debo. That's what I believe. I believe that they are compromised all around because offensively, as they methodically march downfield, utilizing his greatness, combined with that of Christian McCaffrey, elevating the play of Ayuk in the process, capitalizing off of Kittle's presence, of course, and Kyle Shanahan's play calling, I think that that ultimately helps the defense. What happens is when you're not doing that, you're giving the ball up a little bit more. You're giving additional opportunities to an opposing offense. Your secondary for the San Francisco 49ers, since Kimberly goes to these games and she covers them astutely and oh by the way knows what the hell she's talking about when it comes to football so she knows I'm saying the truth when I say that San Francisco's defense gives a little bit more than it used to in that secondary then we take into account the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff is better than Brock Purdy. You look at Montgomery and Gibbs, they can run the football. I'm in Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams and Reynolds and Laporta. You see the weapons these brothers have? You see these Rough Riders? They play Smash Mouth football okay the only time we saw them really really get boat raced as Jeff Saturday would say is when they went up against Baltimore outside of that no one has done that to them and I'm telling you I'm telling you I believe they need Debo to win this game if Debo's in the lineup I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to the Super Bowl if Debo is not in that lineup and you know it beforehand and he's in street clothes and he can't play and they don't have to concern themselves with them game planning wise, schematically, the Detroit Lions are going to the Super Bowl. Wow, it's way over the top. It's a bit much. That's I, I, way over honestly, the top. but am I surprised? Are we surprised no. that Stephen A is going to take it to a level that it doesn't need to go to? He took that's because, he took it. That's because he took that is because that's be, that the reason is is because I'm in cu- I'm accustomed to elevation. Okay. You see what I'm saying? It's Listen, I, uh, all I know is that part of the reason people say things are so easy for Brock Purdy is because they got weapons everywhere. They got weapons everywhere. So to, I understand Debo is a huge part of their offense. He makes besides his physicality, the amount. Of, of plays within the run game, the passing game, him catching screens from the outside. Yes, he is a formidable matchup for any defense. But if you're going to say that Brock Purdy has a plethora of weapons and it's so easy for him, then you, this is going to be a huge game for George Kittle. They've got weapons everywhere. And when you say the 49ers cannot win because Debo's not there, that just see How good are the 49ers then? Like, um, I, excuse, like me, I just, excuse me, excuse me. Mad Dog Russo, once again, people get caught up in his hyperbole. I never said, I never said San Francisco can't win. What I said specifically is if Debo plays, they win. If the Lions, if he doesn't play, the Lions win. That's what I'm saying. 
Hold on. I know you two ain't talking, especially you, Kimberly. I know you're not saying that because I said the Lions would win if Debo didn't play, that that also means San Francisco can't win. We make predictions every show. The fact of the matter is I'm predicting that the Lions will win the NFC crown if Debo ain't in the lineup. I know they can win. I don't believe they will. Mm-hmm. Okay, San Francisco, the line move. They're favored by uh, seven and seven now. But do you have a final word before? Yeah, we go to one. Uh, yeah. Can, can we? Can, and I've been all. I've praised them forever. Enough of Shanahan. Last week, special teams awful. Missed a field goal. The kick return, which was a disgrace. Uh-huh. His pass rush did nothing. Penalties all over the place with his secondary. Packers, if Love played better, they would have won the game. Mm-hmm. Plus, how about him at the end of the half? Did you see him at the end of the half? He had a timeout. He settled for a 52-yard field goal. He was playing around his quarterback. This is a guy that lost two Super Bowls. You're down on him. He better win this game. He better win this game. Doggy, Shanahan has immense pressure. No doubt about it. He's wet the bed in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl where he was the offensive coordinator yes. for Atlanta when they were up 28-3 to and he forgot to run the ball and kept giving Brady time. Okay, bottom line, right. And then, of course, in the Super Bowl against the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I get that. No problem. But the man has been in three straight NFC title games and four of the last five. It ain't like the brother can't coach. So was Chuck Knox, Steve. All right, all right. And he right, could right. coach. And he could coach. I remember Chuck Knox with the Rams. You ain't fooling anybody. Right, I know who he is. There. We don't have time for the history lesson today. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hey, hey, Molly Karam here. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and much more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every single purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code TAKE. That's code TAKE. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the pod. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. America's pastime, doggy, you love this. So the 2024 Baseball Hall of Fame class was announced last night, and it included Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, and Adrian Beltre. Both Maurer and Beltre were both on the ballot for the very first time. Dog, let's get your reaction, starting with Beltre. Had to go, 3,000 hits, played forever, uh, 400 home runs, great defensive third baseman, a little bit of a compiler, but he got 95% of the vote. No argument with him, he's a Hall of Famer. 
How about Joe Maurer, who's also a first ballot Hall of Famer? Only got in by five or six votes, uh, which was interesting there, Molly. Uh, now, Maurer, lifetime hitter at 306, yeah. only catcher in the history of the sport with three batting championships. Mm-hmm. Had a concussion, which moved him to first base. Maurer played for one city. I, I would have voted for him, too. No problems there. Lastly, Todd Helton, who made it after this being his sixth year on the ballot. Now, I wouldn't have gone here. Uh, to me, he's a product, a large part of Coors Field. I'll give you one statistic. He's a lifetime 347 hitter in Colorado with the ball, but the, fly, the ball flies out of there on the road, 287. He's not nearly as good on the road as he is at home. I would not have put him in and made him a Hall of Famer. Mm. S.A., your reaction, any snubs here? Well, to me, the one thing that I think about is Gary Sheffield, and I want to defer to Doggy with all of this because obviously uh, he's forgotten more baseball than I know because I don't, I, other than my Yankees, I don't really pay that much attention mm-hmm. uh, to baseball on a religious basis, even though obviously I try to watch my Yankees as much as I possibly can. Let me say this. Gary Sheffield does have 509 career home runs. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, his batting average was about 292. Uh, he's had over 1,600 RBIs. I know that he acknowledged that he once took the cream given to him by Victor Conti, who was working with uh, Barry Bonds. He said he took it once. He, he tried it once. He was unaware of what it was. Obviously, people have a hard time believing that, but that's what he says, and that's the only time and the only thing that he's ever been subjected to is being a part of one of his name was one of the names in the Balco report. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, in the, in the Mitchell report uh, about Balco. So we get all of that. I'm asking Doggy, can a legitimate, and I just read the article from uh, John Heyman just the other day uh, where he was saying that there's no way that Sheffield should leapfrog Alex Rodriguez. How is it that he goes from having like 11 to 14 percent to giving about 74 percent and tinkering on ultimately getting into the Hall of Fame while A-Rod is still languishing at about 39 percent? I don't know the answer to that question, but I know when I see Sheffield and I see anybody with over 500 home runs, and that's the only blemish in your career that you once took a cream product, you know, that Barry Bonds purportedly took, and that's it. I know I, I'm, I'm a guy that thinks that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame because he was a three-time league MVP before steroids ever came into yep. the equation, uh, and he won a seven. So to me, he was an all-time great. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt about that. I think that Roger Clemens should be excluded for stupidity because nobody was bothering him until he opened his big fat mouth and dared them to challenge him. If he had just shut up and went on about his life, they'd have never bothered him, and he wouldn't have been, you know, it, it, you know, he wouldn't have been to such uh, subjected to such an inquisition. Uh, but outside of that, I do wonder about whether or not Sheffield uh, uh, should have been in there or not, Doggy. What are your thoughts about that? Well, first off, you take a backseat to nobody. You know t- 20 times more about the NBA than I do. Uh, number two, here is the proponents for Sheffield. Okay. And I saw him play constantly. He is one of the most fearsome hitters, most scariest hitters I've ever seen. He is the last guy when they played the Giants I ever wanted up in a big game. He was that dangerous. He was a tremendous offensive player. Stevie is a thousand percent right. Mm-hmm. 500 home runs, 1,600 RBIs, 294 lifetime batting average, and presence in the lineup. All fair. Now, here are the two things. Stevie alluded to one of them. The other one with Sheffield is this. He was on eight teams. Eight teams. That's a lot of teams for a Hall of Famer. Not two, not three. Eight franchises. So somehow, some way, it went wrong eight different times. 
Now, money Steve, or attitude. Money or attitude because now, you know, he I, don't, that's true. He don't, he don't, he don't, I love Sheffield. I can tell you this much about him. He don't take any mess. No, he takes no nonsense. No, no nonsense. nonsense. No I agree nonsense. with that. So that might have played a role. No, that that's 100%. Now, the one argument about the steroids for me, if you got to be consistent, I disagree with you on Bonds. I agree with you on Clemens, but I disagree with you on Bonds. He should not be in the Hall of Fame because of steroids. McGuire, Sosa, uh, Rafael, Palmero, you did steroids, you're out. Now, you want to say that Sheffield, you know, made a silly mistake and didn't realize what he was doing, which I could argue. The bottom line is he took it. So if you go with the anti-steroid Hall of Fame argument, you do it with everybody else, you probably yeah, got to do it with Sheffield. That's the All right, but I got, but, but I got, and I'm glad, I'm glad I know we spend a little time on the subject, but I really think it's necessary because I got to go back to Bonds in this regard. First of all, if Sheffield told you he took it once and that was it, I believe him. Let me get that out of the way. I believe him, okay? The most home runs he's ever hit in his career was 43 in the year 2000, okay? It's not like he was walking around like McGuire suddenly breaking Roger Maris' single season home run record or Barry Bonds and knocked 73 home runs. A man hit 43 home runs. We see plenty of people, you know, with, with, with power hitting in the Excellent. late 30s, early, early 40s in terms of home runs. So it wasn't like Sheffield was out there. I believe him. Having said all of that, Let's go to Bonds one last time. This is a seven-time MVP. Seven times. I understand where everybody's looking at him and they're saying, damn it, he did this or that. I'm like, okay, what was he doing before Maguire and Sosa were chasing a single-season home run record? Because according to excerpts, you know, in the game, you know, in the game of shadows, if I remember correctly, they were talking about how. Barry Bonds was watching Sosa and Maguire, and he saw this affection for Maguire. And he knew he was 10 times better as a gold glover, as a hit, as a fielder, as well as as a hitter. And he didn't strike out nearly as much, stealing bases, smacking home runs, doing everything, okay? Was a three-time MVP before any of that ever came up. How do baseball writers, I'm asking, Doggy, how do baseball writers literally admit this dude was a Hall of Famer before any of that came about. But because it came about at a later date, and we know he took it, we're going to cost him a Hall of Fame nod when you knew he was a Hall of Famer before any of that existed. I need an explanation on that. Well, that you hit it right on the head. Your best argument for Bonds is he's a Hall of Famer before yeah. he did steroids. You hit it right on the head. Now, I wouldn't vote for him because he was dopey enough to take the stuff. And his head grew 30 times too big and all that. And I hit the ball, as you said, 700 and whatever it might be, 73 home runs in, in, a, in a single season, which was ridiculous, all the 500-foot home runs. But if your argument is he was a Hall of Famer prior to McGuire and Sosa going crazy in 98, if that is Stephen A's argument. And you can live with it. He's right. He was. Yeah. So why wouldn't you put him in Hall of Fame? Why can't Billy you just Wagner, put him in Hall of Fame and put an asterisk? And put an asterisk next to Put an asterisk. Why can't you last, last word here. Then I Billy Wagner, five votes short. Here's a kills the reliever from the old Mets. 11 postseason post innings. Postseason, 11 yeah. times. Yeah. He gave up 21 runs, an mm-hmm. ERA of 10. When you That's do that, you shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. You can't right, go in the Hall of Fame with those numbers. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.